My name is Pastor Peter Gedaka. I serve as a pastor at Higher Ground Praise Chapel. I want to welcome you for this program. I'm glad you've made time to be with us. Thank you so very much. God bless you so much. No matter what we do in this program, we carry out or we go through a Bible study. And we would pick a book. Like now we are doing the book of Colossians. And we'll go through that book. We'll use the model that Isaiah verse 28, chapter 28, described as line upon line, precept upon precept. Here are it true, there are it true. We would pick a book, a certain book, and read through the verses and trust God to be able to delve in the depth of those verses. Bonus, if you will. So you're welcome, and I will thank you so much again. Now, I will ask you to look for a Bible. I will ask you to look for a pen. Of course, a notebook where you can write some scriptures and whatever you really feel you want to keep even after this program. Let's go to chapter 2 verse 6. That's where we left it at last broadcast. Let's read verse 6. It says, as you have therefore, therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk ye in him. The same way you receive forgiveness, the same way you received Christ in your heart, that was by faith. Paul is asking you or telling you it's the same way you will receive everything you'll ever receive from God. It's by faith. Someone came to you and spoke to you and told you about salvation and the cross and Jesus and you thought through and you realized it's true. You had a conviction in your heart and you received by faith. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to do anything for it. You received by faith. It's the same way you get to hear about healing. First Peter 2.24, by his stripes you are healed. You hear that and you receive it by faith. And everything else in your Christian walk, this verse tells you, is the same way you'll have to receive. Many times, like the Galatians, we receive Christ in our hearts by faith, but everything else that we get, we try to work for it. We work for it. We work for it. But Christ wants you to receive everything by faith. Let's go to verse 7. Verse 7 says, Looted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Paul was likening growth in the Lord to a tree. The seed being planted is just the first step. Much growth has to take place before the truth, the tree is firmly established and able to withstand the elements, that is the weed. I know that. Now, likewise, Christians who just believe and don't grow are in a vulnerable position. That's the way Paul felt about these Colossians. And he was lighting to help them grow to the point that their faith would be sure. Now, what you about in when you operate in thanksgiving is faith. Faith is never complete until there is thanksgiving. If you believe 
for a million shillings and you receive your answer, how would you respond after that? It definitely would be a form of thanksgiving. It is impossible to see the answer to your prayers without some form of praise and worship coming out of your heart. That's because thanksgiving is a vital part of faith and faith isn't complete without thanksgiving. Therefore, faith without praise is incomplete. Those who try to believe God and are void of praise and thanksgiving prayer to the time they see what they have believed for are operating in what one would call inferior faith. As we thank the Lord in advance by faith, our faith abounds and leashes its highest level. And that would explain a scripture like give thanks in all situations. Not for all situations, in all situations. As you give thanks in a situation that you don't like, you are opening a door for your faith to shoot up because you are giving thanks, not because God has done anything, but because you believe he is already doing something, it's going to be manifest and glory and honor goes to him. And therefore you give him glory and honor for that. Let's go to Colossians 2.18. Not 2.18, I'm sorry, it's 2.8. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The word beware, it's gotten from a Greek word that means be on guard. Be on guard. Stay on guard. Be cautious. Bonus if you And this is stressing the point that we are in spiritual battle. We Christians are in constant conflict with the kingdom of Satan and all his forces. We cannot go to sleep, go on, leave, or get discharged from battle. Now, this word spoiled that Paul used here is translated from the word that means to carry off, carry one off as a captive, to lead away from the truth and subject one's way. So, if we don't maintain constant vigil, you remember we said be aware, beware. Constant vigil against the devil, he can very easily take us captive and spoil us of the great riches we have in Christ. We need to be on guard against the philosophy and the mindset of this world which the devil uses to get around us. Buonas, if you will. Let's look at uh, verse 9. Verse 9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Bodry. Bodry. This is one of more direct references to the deity of Jesus Christ among others in different parts of the scripture. Jesus wasn't just God-like in the sense that all mankind was made in the image of God. Jesus had the fullness of God's nature in him. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 The French common language translates this verse as for everything that God is has become embodied in Christ to be completely present in him. 
Wow, I like that. The word Godhead is found three times in the New Testament. You find it in Acts 17, 29, Romans 1, verse 20, and of course the verse we have just led right now. The first, the first concept of Paul's days during his time was that divinity is in all things. You go to a tree, you find a divinity. You go everywhere. But Paul, to make this one clear, from that falsehoodness, he uses a different word. And this word literally means deity, not just divinity. It means deity, deity, the state of being God. That word was different from what was being used out there. It was different. It's like where one would say, this person has got godliness in himself. But one other person you go and you say, this person is God. So this person not only has godliness, but the other one is God. So the plural name for God in the Old Testament is Elohim. And it was used over 2,600 times. The pronouns used by God himself are found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And you find it, it's one like, and God said, let us make man in our own image. After our own, I'm emphasizing that, make man in our, I'm emphasizing the word our, after our likeness, the word our, you find Genesis chapter 7, 11 verse 7, this is, let us go down. Let us go down. And I can pick quite a number. You go to Isaiah 6, 8. You go to Genesis 3, 22. You, you find all that. So meaning that God uses plural to describe himself. Amen. Let's read verse 10. Verse 10 says, And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. Now, I want you to remember that Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 verse 4 that he was saying these things to keep the Colossians from being deceived. Now, the recognition of our completeness in Christ is a tremendous thing. It's a safeguard against deception. Prior to salvation, we are incomplete. And there is a constant striving in all of us trying to satisfy or fill a void in our hearts. So you can look out there in the world and see people who are very lish, but they are not satisfied. They are seeking, they are doing this, they are doing this. They are incomplete. The only thing can complete them is Christ in them. Christ in them. So through the new birth, however, we are complete in Christ. And our hunger should only be for more revelation, more understanding of who we are, who Christ is in his nature and character and our inheritance in Christ. Total satisfaction with Christ would disarm Satan's lies. A big part of all our temptation is more, more, more of it because of dissatisfaction. Adam and Eve would not have eaten the forbidden fruit if they hadn't been made to think they are not complete. And the devil would tell them they would be like God. Of course, we know they were more like God before they ate the flute than after they ate the flute. Satan 
tempts us in the same way he came against Adam and Eve. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. Buona sifiwe. Paul was making a comparison in the same way that he had said Jesus had the fullness of God in him. We have the fullness of Christ in us. That makes us complete, perfect in him, in our spirit, in our spirit man. In righteousness, authority, and power are born again spirits. They are identical to Christ's. They are identical to Christ's spirit. Because our born again spirit are the spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Which has been sent into our hearts crying, Amber, Father. Let's go to verse 11. And verse 11 says, In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision was practiced to some extent by other nations. The Jews were not the only one practicing circumcision. But it had a special significance to the nation of Israel through the both the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants. So the very nature of the act makes it clear that this is not something to be flouted. It's not something to go around bragging. It was very private, even like where that circumcision was supposed to be carried out. It's not surprise you go showing everybody I'm circumcised. It's a private thing. This circumcision was made without hearts, the one of now the born-again Christian, different from the one that was of the Old Testament. This one, for me and you as Christians, it's done without hearts. That means it was not done by man, and it was not done in the physical. Paul was referring to spiritual circumcision of the heart. This verse goes on to explain that this circumcision was the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. The sins of our hearts were cut away and discarded through the sacrifice of Christ in a similar way to how the foreskin is removed from a male man or a male child. The physical act of circumcision was a picture of this spiritual circumcision that is now a reality in every born-again believer. Let's look at uh, verse 12. Verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are lazen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has lazed him from the dead. Now, this putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh occurs at the moment of salvation when one is buried with Christ in baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And lazed with him through faith in God's power. The point that Paul was making is that the completeness and spiritual circumcision he had just spoken of was already an accomplished fact in the born-again spirit or in our born-again spirit. These things are already realities in our spirits. 
Galatians 5.24 that only have to be appropriated in our flesh. Bwana asifiwe. Bwana asifiwe. Let's look at this about this death spoken of in spiritual death resulting from sin. Let's look at that part of that verse. And then we'll see that people without Christ may be physically alive, yet they walk around in the state of spiritual death. You find that in Ephesians 2 verse 1. Scriptures or scripture describes this condition as being alienated. Walking in spiritual death means you've been alienated from the life of God and controlled by the old nature, having no hope, being by nature the children of love and controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 to 21. You can check this and this one will bring you to that understanding. So being quickened or made alive with Christ reverses the effects of spiritual death. All that had once alienated us from God is now gone. And we are now seated with Christ Jesus in the very presence of God. Buona asifiwe. Wow, that is too sweet. It's, it's good to understand that. Now let's go to 14 where we were supposed to be before we went back. 14 says, Blotting out the hard lighting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. This one is a big one, and especially for those who worship on Saturdays and make put a lot of emphasis on the law. Let's look a bit of what Paul is talking about, and I possibly would like to repeat it and see. It says, bloating out the hard writing of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way nailing it to his claws. Buona asifiwe. <laughs> now, in Paul's day, the paper and ink that were used when lighting were different from what we see today or we have today. The paper we have today, the lighting, the ink has acid, allowing it to soak into the paper. But Paul's day, the ink didn't have acid. So you could blot it, you could remove it, you could all that. Hence, this understanding that Paul is bringing to us. The Old Testament law has been blotted out. That's what Paul is telling us. And I want you to notice that it is not just our translation of the law that we are removed, but the ordinances themselves. Jesus took the law as a document and nailed it on the cross. In effect, lighting across the bill, <laughs> you can imagine, Paid in full. The New Testament believers is no longer under the law. And I want you to check this one that is in 1 Corinthians 9.21. You can check 1 Corinthians 10.23. You can check uh, Romans 3.19. And that's not all. We can go on in Hebrew. We can go on in Galatian. And this, it will be the same understanding Paul bringing out. So I want you to notice that 
Paul was speaking of the law as being against us and contrary to us. This, in fact, would be and still is very radical, a statement for Paul as a Jew to put it out there. The Old Testament law was given to show us our sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 19. The law was condemning 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 3, 7. It empowered sin in our lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. And my dear listener, I wish you just put these scriptures down and check them out. You can check Romans 7, 11. You can check Romans 7, 13. You can check Romans 7, 14. Buona sifiwe. And we'll come to that same understanding as Paul is helping us to see. So the, the other thing I want us to notice is that it, it was just, the law was just taken out of the law, of the way for the Christians. It is only out of the way for those who are believers in Christ. Those who have not put their faith in Christ are still under the law. John 3.36. Kaidre put these verses down. John 3.36. They are still under the law with its love. And negative effects. Negative effects. So let's look at verse 15. Hoping this, uh, in fact, I believe it should be our last verse to see. It says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now let's look at the word spoiled. The word spoiled that is used here is a Greek word that means to divert oneself. It means to despoil. One of the words that made up this compound means to strip. To strip. You know, you strip off someone, Mendoza or whatever he has. Uh, so what Paul was saying was that Jesus totally despoiled or stripped Satan and all his powers. All his powers. So Satan is now naked and powerless. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord, for that. We praise the Lord for that. This was a term used for the disarming of a defeated foe. The picture is that of the triumph of a Roman soldier or Roman general. When a Roman general had won a little notable victory, he was allowed to march his victorious armies through the streets of Rome. And behind him followed the kings and the leaders and the people that he had defeated. So they were openly branded as his spoils. Paul thinks of Jesus as a conqueror enjoying a kind of cosme cosmic uh, triumph in his triumphal procession are the powers of darkness beaten forever defeated and made to submit under his feet with the believers born as if he were. satan's only weapon right now is deception he's got nothing else the word show used here means to exhibit satan and his forces are forever on display as conquered force those who know and believe this enjoy the show born as if you were. Let's look at what uh, Philip's testament says about this verse. It translates this verse as 
he exposed them, shattered, empty, and defeated them in his final glorious triumphant act. So I think we'll stop at that point. Our time, as I look at it right now, it's fast spent. And I'll, we'll stop it there. If you are there and you'd like to communicate, make a statement, make a comment, I'll leave you with my number. Maybe you can call me and we can talk later. Uh, and again, I always emphasize it's where you want some clarity, where you want to make a comment or ask a question, but not where you want to abuse. If, if it's an abuse, I categorically switch it off. <laughs> but I know this is a Christian program and we are grown and we are mature, even as Paul is bringing us to be. Bonus, if you will. My number is 07 51 God bless you. We'll see and meet again. Possibly get to hear from one another next broadcast next week. Make a date with us and we'll be able to move on from there. Thank you.